Welcome to the Hellraiser Podcast. Hello there, welcome to episode 44 of the Hellraiser Podcast. It's Peter and Phil. Hello, you've never <laughs> said that before. I haven't. Hello, and hello to all you out there listening. Uh, so first of all, apologies that we've been away for a bit. Sorry. Uh, we've been stupidly busy in our personal lives, which is no excuse. It's no, no excuse, so I feel bad. So we're going to, when I know that we always say this, but I'm going to say it again, we're going to make more of an effort from now on to do more of these more regularly, and we apologise, but we're back on it, so we're here, don't worry. Yes, we've been doing lots of projects in the world of horror, so we haven't yeah. forsaken horror, No, but we want to get back to our first love of Hellraiser. Yeah, and we're doing that now. Yes. <laughs> so it's another one of our commentaries. So we've got some boozes. We've got some boozes already here. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be cracking out some of those. If you'd like to copy us, I am uh, drinking a, a, this is sort of advertisement, a Cronenberg 1664 Lager. And I'm drinking uh, Jack Daniel's Honey, <laughs> which is lovely. I'm going to be mixing that with some Coca-Cola and oh. maybe some Red Bull as well, because I'm a bit nutty. Brilliant. And I'm very tired. He's very tired. <laughs> and we love you all very much. Thanks for sticking with us. Now, before we get going on the commentary, we just want to mention something that's coming out very soon. Actually, probably will be out already when we release this. Um, it's a new Hellraiser box set just come out. The Scarlet Box, which you may have heard of if you've been paying attention online. It's the Blu-ray edition of the first three films. Apparently new 2K restorations of the movie, so apparently it should look amazing i've already got mine pre-ordered and in fact when this is released i will have it but i haven't watched it yet and one very exciting thing that is on this box set is the uh, leviathan documentary which mm. you may have seen some of already which we actually haven't seen yet which i'm very excited about watching it finally because apparently it's wonderful i've heard some really really good, th- good things about it yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing that yeah and one other thing that people are talking about a lot is in hellraiser 2 there was a deleted scene of the female Cenobite and Pinhead turning into surgeons, surgeons, or vice versa, then being surgeons and turning into them. And apparently they found a work print version of this scene that was never really properly filmed. It was abandoned. It was just on the uh, box pics, wasn't it? That yeah, we, this, they, put it, they stupidly put it on a, uh, on yeah. a video <laughs> release of the <laughs> second film. Um, but they've found it, and they've, they've released a work print version on... In this box set. Mm. So, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing that as well. <laughs> Very exciting. So we're going to do this. We're going to do this from the uh, the UK DVD, which does exist now. We did, didn't when we did our first didn't. podcast. And now we have it. We've also got the American one, but um, we're not going to use that one because my player's not working properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to be watching on this. So get yourselves ready. It's on Netflix as well. I think you can probably watch it on there. Oh, yeah. It might be slightly different in terms of the speed of it. Sometimes they change when you stream things to when you watch on DVD. So be careful of that. We might go out of sync. Apologies if we do. Um, I think a lot of people listen to these on the train anyway, don't they? Yeah, (laughs) no one's watching the film with it. So So we're going to talk through the film and we're going to press play in three, two, one, play. Play feature. Menu loading. Menu loading. Menu loading. Still menu. We'll just make sure we're all synced up. And now here's the Miramax beginning opening credit bit. Here we are. Miramax. So here we go, Deader, Hellraiser 7. As we've said many occasions, we like this one. We this do. One. We do like this one. Dimension, we don't like them as much, because they tend to mess things up and not give people enough money to make films. Be, be a bit one-dimensional oh. in their approach. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we go. So nice apologies, music. everyone, because we haven't done this for ages, so... I'll be fine. I'll be fine. 
for a few for a few drinks in. Um, yeah, the checkered floor, which comes back a few occasions. Stan Winston production. Yeah. Hello. Rest so in peace, the late great yeah. maestro. Sorry, that take a long time to uh, pour that red ball. <sighs> Rick Bota. Rick Bota, who of course did uh, Hellraiser six, seven, and eight. Lucky guy. Yeah, I know. All I would... very wildly different films. Yeah, I really would like to know more about how that came about. Yeah, we must try and get it. Well, I know that I know why seven and eight are together, because they filmed them back to back. But how they did he to... get this gig? I don't know. We'll have to ask him. They went to Bucharest to film this one and Hell Kari World Wara. together. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing some trivia, Phil. Oh, mind? sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so they the. Dimension gave them a very small budget, and they gave them. They had 20, it was 24, 25 days to film this whole film. And they had two days break, and then another 25 days to film Hellworld, which is crazy in terms of giving them enough time to do it properly. But they did a really good job on this. Yeah, I mean, how long did it take them to do the, the latest movie? Like That's not one afternoon, a week I think. Or something. <laughs> I know, but you can really tell. I mean, this one is. As we've said before, obviously we're repeating ourselves, but listen to our other podcast about Dedder. Um, it looks great. I think mm. it doesn't Beautiful. betray its low budget. And one of the reasons for that is he's in Bucharest using a R- Romanian director of photography, someone who's really good and really knows what they're doing and has been working lots of films before. And also Rick Bota is also an ex-DP. Um, so he came to it from the point of view of setting things up and lights and how things should look um, apparently there was some some language barrier problems on the set of this one <laughs> where he didn't quite get it across and he thought he was making a European film and the other guy thought he was making an American film and it all got a bit confusing <clears throat> but the fact is this does look beautiful and especially compared to some of the earlier films like we've said before Bloodline to me looks like a TV movie God, yeah. and even Hellseeker yeah. doesn't look as, as cinematic as this even though it wasn't released in the cinema grr so, so this, this uh, crack den she's in yeah um, again it's a bit of a movie movie-esque version of something hardcore isn't it yeah you know it is, and it's um, it sets the scene. You know, that's who she is, and she's not actually into that sort of. You're not not sure who she is to start with, but she's not into that sort of. Why thing. was she passed out on the sofa? I think she was just with them, with them all night. I guess that's how what, what I took from it. They were doing their own thing, and she was there to get information and talk to them, and probably just fell asleep. I can't imagine like someone going, "Do you want some of this?" As they're leaving, they'd be like, yeah. "It's mine." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> crack. Yes, yeah, a good point. <laughs> And like you pointed out before, the story that she's just had published and is, is you know, well known now is how to be a crack whore. And she's saying her follow-up story is nearly ready, but it seems to be a it very similar story. to be how story. to be a crack whore, yeah. Yeah, it's another one about being a crack whore. Yeah. So this this one is set in London. The original script was supposed to be in New York, but they realised that they couldn't afford that. But I think most people, when they write screenplays on spec, set them in New York. <laughs> Mm. because it's like a movie set um, but then they decided to change it to London for this bit that obviously it goes to Romania because that's where they were filming and it made sense and this is Gary Tunnicliffe there he is Gary Tunnicliffe 
uh, special effects maestro. Um, he did all the practical effects. Ham-fistedly... Uh, what picking up <laughs> trying to pick <laughs> her up, pick her I, up. Don't, I don't even know what you would call what that. he's trying to do yeah sleezing on her cracking onto her cracking onto her that's a nice <laughs> British phrase um, and that's it that's his little cameo good for him there you go so to remind everyone who he is again in terms of filmmaking he wrote and directed the um, No More Souls little fan film mm. and he also wrote Hellraiser Revelations. Why did you have to bring that up? Sorry. <laughs> but he is excellent at special effects. <clears throat> and he, So he does Pinhead's makeup and all of the practical effects with hooks and chains and things. And has done since... I think he was working on uh, Hellraiser 3 to start with. That's what he's been ever since number 3. He's yeah. been worked with the company. So he, he knows the, the feel and the, and the themes in and out. So now we're talking. So a couple of lines to get why she's American. Reassigned from New York. This is her, uh, her boss. Yeah. The paper. Played by Simon Kuntz. Just be careful how you pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. Who's done a lot of other things. Um, I first saw him in Four Weddings and a Funeral back in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> He's very good. He's very good at being a bit sort of, I'm a nice guy, but also there's a slight creepiness to him. There's a bit of edge. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Oh, we have to keep talking. She, oh, sorry. about that. And, and yeah, sorry, we're just going <laughs> to sit and watch it because, as we said, we, we like this one. It's good. Um, I do like this one. So we're gonna we are gonna pick it apart, like we. But so just as long as we've said in advance that we like it, we both it. like it a lot. Look, video, <laughs> a video. Yeah, kids don't know what videos are anymore. Uh, <laughs> Shame. Hey, you youngsters listening to this. Although actually, we're watching this on a DVD, and that's going to be dead soon. It'll all be projected into your brain. But DVDs might be dead, but videos are deader. Eh? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that line about debtors, I don't think it works with his English accent. In the original American script, it was fine. Debtors. But this time, because he, he says debtors, there's no way she would misunderstand because his accent... Anyway, let's, let's move on. Yeah. Let's, yeah. <laughs> and now we watch this video. So I think, um, just talking around some of the themes a little bit here... I think one thing that is a little bit hmm about this film is her, she's supposed to be so edgy and such a kind of, you know, on the fringes type person. Mm -hmm. And I think in these kind of movies, they really struggle to kind of show that in a good way, you know? Yeah. She doesn't seem particularly edgy to me. She just seems like someone who... A lot of people talk about how edgy she is. But she's but moody she, and she smokes. She's moody and, and she's she dressed smokes. in black. And that's the other thing I wanted to mention about how um, it kind of ties in later in the movie about how uh, you she's someone who should open the box because she's that right kind of twisted person. Mm-hmm. But yet the sins that she, you know, carries out are what? Taking drugs? Smoking, but she doesn't take the drugs. Having, well, exactly. She doesn't <laughs> even do that. Well, no, we get the idea that she's a bit anti-establishment she obviously got um you know kicked out of new york but she says she didn't but that something happened there where she was forced to to leave and just come to london i mean i think you know to bring it back to the first hellraiser movie when frank opened the box you you knew that there was yeah, some yeah. reason why he was doing it and mm-hmm. you know it made sense 
And you could tell he was a bad guy just from his fingernails. Exactly. <laughs> um, she does not strike me as someone who deserves to kind of be flayed alive in hell forever because she just seems like a bit of a unconventional reporter who's writing the same story over and over again <laughs> about living in a yeah. crack den. But then you don't know what's in her soul. You know, we don't really see her huge backstory. They hint at it, so I guess you just have to take from it that she is a bit weird and crazy, but we don't really see that. Mm. But she clearly isn't into horrible and sick things because this re- repulses her. She's not going, oh, oh, look at that, oh, that was really cool. It's you know, nice that, yeah, someone being shot in the face, she's, she just turned... Yeah, but, there's, <laughs> but some people, like Frank, would probably watch it and go, oh, that was pretty cool, let's rewind <laughs> it and watch it again. He probably would have been turned it off by now, he'd be bored. Yeah, that's true. Because they're not naked, like they are in the original <laughs> script. <Yeah. laughs> Rick um, just said that he wanted them to have a little gun at this point, really, but uh, that's the only one they had on set. It's yeah, I mean, that's a monster, isn't monster. it? That is a monster, it's like a magnum or whatever. Um, this was apparently filmed quite early the uh, this deader stuff on the video so when they filmed them watching it it was actually there on the TV which is oh, pretty okay, cool okay that's good yeah they actually had something to react yeah, to you can see that which is yeah. great because you can see the grainy video quality of it and that in terms of talking about videos and DVDs we're being flippant really because it does add a real element to the whole you know gritty grainy quality of, of a video even though no one watches them anymore Obviously, when this came out in um, 2005, they were still around. They were being yes. phased out, but they were still there. Also, it was filmed a couple of years earlier than that as well. So it was around the time that DVDs were coming in, but videos were still... I was still you know, getting DVDs in the early noughties. Yeah. I mean, videos. Uh, videos, yeah. I was getting both. Absolutely. And I suddenly realised that I didn't need both. <laughs> and DVDs were much smaller to fit on your shelf. Um, I've still got loads of videos, though. I'm sure I loads can see them have. here in front of me on these... Wonderful shells. Oh no, they're all. These are all DVDs. They're all DVDs. Oh, some of them look like videos. No, sorry. <laughs> well, that's because they're box sets. There's anyway, <laughs> box sets. We, we digress. Um, yeah, into I, my, uh, what I want to say about that. Uh, <laughs> what about, I want to say about that video that we've just seen. I think it works really well. I think it 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 does actually convey that thing of watching something forbidden. Mm. Yeah. When she's got the gun to her head, you do think, oh god, you know, it does give you that kind of ooh. No, I chill. agree. Especially, I mean, anyone that was around in the in the 1980s, there was the whole video nasty thing in the UK. Always crushing that. Ah, first countdown. Anyone who knows about the uh, the UK and video nasties and that sort of thing. Lots of videos and films got banned in the 80s and you couldn't get them for yeah. you know, 20 years oh, or so. That, I was obsessed with them when I was younger. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I used to buy videos when the internet first came into everyone's houses. I would buy videos from America. And watch the videos. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> and that was in the in the early nineties. That was, but so there is a um, for anyone that was in, into that sort of thing. There's this whole video nasty quality to it as well. These things that you're not really supposed to watch, but you know your mate has a mate who had you know cannibal holocaust on a third generation Man, video, and they watch it, and it would be really fuzzy, and you oh, just about see what was going on. Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, anyone can just click a button and stream things. Mm. But anyway. Anyway, we sound very old now. Sorry. <laughs> but they were good times, though. It's a shame that people, you know, kids who love that sort of thing these days won't ever have that. Mm. I mean, I guess you can, you know, find things online that no one else has. And... Well, I guess you can kind of really easily find 
real mutilations well, online let's not now, to yeah, be fair. Really wanna... so, yeah. um, well, let's not dwell on that, because that's not really the kind of thing that we're talking about. Um, kids, you shouldn't be watching real life no, snuff films, because no. a lot of really good it's fiction out there. <laughs> I think it takes, it takes but... away from the uh, work of the special effects artists. Although Cannibal Holocaust has, does have some real life animal killing in it. It does. <laughs> Which I was very upset about. Me too. When I finally saw it, the uncut version, I was like, yeah, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, she's still smoking, therefore she's still bad. She is still smoking. I've, so, uh, I still don't oh, smoke, it, by the way. It's taken business. it away from me. Yeah, uh, good for case. you. How long has it been now? Years now. Nice one. Now it's been years. So, here we are disc- this, discussing why we're going to Bucharest. The real reason is, of course, it's much cheaper to film. But they're all the kids going there. And so she's going to head off to Bucharest. And that's it. So that's that's the only uh, section that's not supposed to be in Bucharest. And so now we can stop pretending we're in London. Excellent. So another reason, which I, I know we've said before, why it looks so good, is we are here in Bucharest. And it is such a picturesque, gothic city. It's amazing. It is. It is amazing. And Eric Boater um, and Gary Tunnicliffe on the commentary talk about that as well. They say how you just, you know, turn your camera around and there's all these amazing buildings. It's really... You get the feel of it right there. Yeah, it looks beautiful. But I think as well, I mean, we've mentioned it before, that the uh, the lighting, the photography in this film is just amazing. You know, the, yeah. everything about it is but the, And that's, you know, very washed well out colours and it looks like seven. You know, it's it's brilliant. Yeah. And it's a really smart move because the film is quite, you know, gritty and dark. It's not a silly bit of fluff. Like, not Hellworld is... Not, Hellworld's not a bit of fluff, but it is quite a silly film. And it's it revels in that. What? Which we'll talk about <laughs> on our next commentary. Um, but it is, you know, bright colours and, and silly and, and crazy. Whereas this one is a real dramatic film. <laughs> I saw on Twitter the other day someone said they got Sambuca in ready. No, I saw that as well. <laughs> well, we're going to have our hell world one, which we're going to struggle through, but we're going to be positive about it <laughs> as much as we can be. And then Revelations, we're just going to have to crack out the Sambuca. Go mental. So, yeah, all these weird angles and things in the background. Sort of harking back to like German Expressionism of the 1920s. And... Do you think that's what they were going for? No, it probably just fell off. <laughs> it's already there already. But no, I, I don't doubt that they. A lot of this was, yeah, you know, properly thought about, and the set dressing and art department was really good. Yeah, I think. It. I mean, I think that's what I was trying to get to before, where I was. Even if you go to a beautiful, picturesque city, you can't just plonk a camera down and film it. No, it's not going to look no, no, great, no, no. you know, as you well know. And and so I think. What are you saying? <laughs> and so I think. Uh, I think a lot of thought was put into this film, into the way that it looks. That film I made in Prague is just terrible. <laughs> Peter running around Prague. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, and of course, of course, you need to know what you're doing, obviously. Um, oh, and there's flies and blood. That's good. Yeah, it's cool. They had to uh, blast these flies with dry ice to make them a bit sluggish, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy, a few of the, the um, Romanian people here are actual Romanian actors who didn't speak any English and they just learnt the lines sort of phonetically, parrot fashion, and then they dubbed them over later if they couldn't really understand them. So they didn't really know what they were saying. Wow. Which means that they did quite a good job, really, then, because you can't tell. 
This guy's a bit horrible, isn't he? He's got, I mean, he's got the perfect look for the kind of sleazy yeah. building superintendent. Yeah. Oh, flies buzzing. <laughs> sorry, sorry, we're watching. He, um, he kind of does an expression there, like, I'm quite proud of the way it smells in there. Yeah. Like, as in... Or, or, yeah, I'm proud that I don't, I'm not going to react to that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm like, any normal person would be like, like, there's oh, a dead body that in there. is a bit there's definitely wrong. a dead body in there yeah so when I first watched this I thought he's going to do something because he's, he's so uncaring and mm. like he shuts the door behind her I thought all of a sudden he was going to you know be there with a mask on and <laughs> hatchet in his hand or something because <laughs> we did say in our um, podcast about the script versus the the original script versus the Hellraiser version of the script mm. um, he was a bit nicer in the original script he is yeah uh, and um I think you're right, the tension is a bit ramped up here because he's a bit sinister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here we are in the kitchen, reminiscent of uh, the first Hellraiser film, with yeah. the bugs crawling everything and the horrible scene. So food. that knife there, panning on the knife slowly, I'm supposed to remember that for later on. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't pick up on that first time I saw it. That's no. I'm, I'm a bit dense when it comes to... And this is very like the first film, the, the little squat room that... Frank's been sleeping and Julia finds the little pornographic yeah, thing in the pictures. They've got the same kind of covering hanging yeah. off the wall thing. No, no, it's great. It's a nice homage. <clears throat> oh, hello. Who's this? And again, uh, we are repeating ourselves, sorry, but um, I think the placement of the body here is so creepy. Mm. No, it's really good. It's so creepy. Because when, f- when you see that first shot, you think... Is she alive? Like, is she? Yeah. Is she yeah, about yeah, yeah. to come running at me? Yeah, yeah. You know, like a horrible, weird zombie person. And so it's been pointed out by a few people that she is kind of moving a little bit. She's slightly twitching, and I mean, obviously, it's because it's a really hard thing to do, and she's basically holding herself yeah, up. Like that. Yeah. Give the but, girl a um, break. Rick Bota said that he, when they, when they were doing all the editing and things, he watched it on a very small screen to start with, and he didn't really notice any of that. And when they f- oh, locked it all in, shame. they watched it on a big screen. It was like, oh, she's wobbling a bit. <laughs> so they didn't well, really, really, really notice. Well, exactly. It's too late <laughs> at that point. Um, but I don't think it matters. I mean, she doesn't notice it, which is a bit weird. But for us, if you do be... notice it, you kind of think, you know, she's not dead. She's going to do something. Yeah, to be honest, it sort of adds to that feeling that she might something's going to jump up in a minute. Mm. Maybe she will. Let's watch and find out. Well, I don't think she will. Oh, okay. Let's turn it off then. I love these these pictures that are so revealing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I loved about that grainy video that they had, that it was filmed in multiple angles that were all edited together. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's really nitpicking. Um. No, I don't, well, I, I don't like that sort of thing, because it just, for me, it takes me out of the film. I'm, I'm thinking... Mm. You know, did but she take this away and edit it together? That. I know, and even on the commentary they say, you know, fuck those guys. Whoever says that are idiots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's exactly. Me. Yeah. <laughs> but um it does But you know, who's to say that there weren't a couple of people filming and then they they did splice it together in a well, video machine or anything? Maybe. I don't know. But for me, but maybe it's because you know we we do work in this sort of industry. Oh, it absolutely, and is. we know yeah. about editing and filming. And it absolutely is. 
I'm thinking, oh, that was a nice cut. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what's my mum would not think that? My mum would not watch this film, but um, my mum wouldn't watch the film either. She would also not think, why are there three or four shots of the gun from different angles? No. <laughs> My mum doesn't really understand why I do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it might be fun to do one where we make her watch it and then talk to her about it afterwards. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. Hey, let's do it. A Hellraiser Virgins podcast. Yeah. So, oh, look, what's that in her hand? So this is the first moment where the it splits off from the original screenplay. Where we had the the Hellraiser mythology, which again, as I as I stated before, I think the Hellraiser aspects of this film added to the script are kind of the weaker aspects in a way. Yeah, possibly. I do know what you mean. I, it I, doesn't. They don't really explore it as well as we I wish would they... have liked. There's a couple of things that now we've talked about that they could have just added or taken away and yeah. just made it a bit simpler, even because it gets quite confusing at the end. And if you don't. If you're not really paying attention, you're not quite sure who's who and who's doing what for what reason. Yeah, and I think we are the target audience for this movie. We well, know yeah. <laughs> about Hellraiser. Yeah. We know what's going on. Yeah. And if we're sitting there going, um, mm. what? <laughs> then you're in yeah. trouble. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, again, as we said before... Oh, oh yes, oh. the jump. Scary as hell. That got me. That did get me when I first watched it. Oh, me too. It because you me. just get to the point where you think, oh, maybe they're not going to bother, maybe. Um, but yeah, crucially, I think it, it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of the film. No. Oh. Oh. Feisty. There you go. She's bad. <laughs> that proves it. And so here she hurts herself. Yeah. Oh. Sirens wailing. And they go. <coughs> Excuse me. The other thing um, about it being set in Bucharest, and again, we've said this before, but for um, like an English or American audience, you automatically you're out of your comfort zone, and you don't know, you know, don't understand the language or the yeah. what's going on. There's a different yeah. police system, and mm-hmm. there's a cultural differences, and it's it's unnerving when you're in a different country and you don't know what's going on. Especially if you need help, especially if you need to see a doctor or a policeman, all yeah. of a sudden you can't speak the languages. It is quite scary. Yeah, definitely. So to put anyone in distress in a foreign country automatically ramps up the tension. Mm. Key? Well, there's a little splodge on it. Maybe that will be important later on. No, I don't think so. Okay. Oh, video. And here we go. Here we have. I've kind of got a weird nostalgia for videos Mother. now. Oh. talking about them. You should watch Videodrome. That makes me even more nostalgic. <laughs> like, oh, I want to get one and put it in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> and so here we go. Oh. Marla. Oh, we're just watching again. Sorry. Okay. So let's talk about. Because we like it. She's very good. She is good. Apparently they wanted her to be, in that scene we just watched, when she's strung up, they wanted her to be uh, wearing a lot less, but she wasn't really happy or comfortable. They wanted her to be wearing a lot less than her bra and pants. Well, because they're quite big pants. And they, <laughs> they wanted her to be, well, first of all, they wanted her to be naked, but that wasn't going to work, they said. Um, and then, like, skimpy things. But then she's she's got quite big pants on and 
quite a sturdy bra, you know. <sighs> Not very, like, sexy, small well, you know, lingerie. I think things like that get negotiated before you even set on the... Yeah. You know, before you go to the set. So. Yeah, it's not like she turned up and went, I'm not wearing that. Yeah. <laughs> I've brought some pants from home. I'm going to wear these. Um, yeah, and so this is where she finds out who Joey is. And as we said, Joey. in the original script, she knows Joey because she lives in New York. He, This train system is in New York. The, the subway car is in New York already. Um, which, as we said, doesn't really make her as much sense because surely he would have been noticed because it's quite a big metropolis <laughs> you kind of think it makes more sense it's being in this little yeah. Romanian place rather than in the middle of New York City yeah <laughs> but she's got this box now what's she going to do she's saying what do you mean open it oh the box nice to but see it but it is it's quite a nice seen it for a while yeah it's quite a nice moment where you know she's been told not to open it but she just even thinks what the hell are you talking about? This is just a solid box. I was a bit dismissive of that the last time I spoke about it, but to be fair, just watching it again there... Oh, yeah, chains. Um, It seemed quite natural the way she just kind of had a little play with it and it opened. And here's Pinhead. There he is. (laughs) I definitely don't. Oh, flashback to her her dad. Her dad resembles the building superintendent quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> Maybe that's why she didn't like him when yeah. she when she got there. So that was it. There's your there's your pinhead <laughs> for a while. Um, but that bit, I mean, that bit is nice. The the when the chains first fly out, they are slightly. Yeah, a little bit, but then... But it's because it was... Practical chains. Yeah, exactly. But they... It's quite funny. Apparently, the um, the visual effects guy made these really nice, rusty chains f- flying out of the box. But when they actually filmed the practical bit, they couldn't get the paint to stick on it. So they are just black <laughs> plastic <laughs> chains. So they had to ask the guy to redo it, but just make them black. Nice. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, creepy. I think... I like things like this. I mean... I think um, rather than the extreme bit with the blood and stuff like that, just people wearing, you know, someone wearing like a rain mac like that mm. in the city. You, yeah. You can get all these amazing kind of very creepy uh, sort of shots just from kind of seemingly ordinary things. I agree. I still think when you when you watch Hellseeker, this and Hellworld, it's hard to remember that the same guy made all three of them <laughs> because they're so different oh we've got to we've in got terms to, we've of got to find out what went on quality as well and here we go in this crazy how does this, how does this work how <laughs> does this operate <laughs> well here we go let's let's see let's find out so here we go lots of nudity which is, I mean, in terms of it being, you know, a Clive Barker film, well, it's not, but, you know, from his mind originally, this sort of stuff is is great. Like, it's great to have, you know, they're allowed to put nudity and yeah. there's a naked fellow walking through at one point. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I feel this is a very kind of light version. Yeah, we've said that, but they, they couldn't do too much. Uh, but I think they did. No, but I think they uh, did what they could. 
and it does get the right message across. Yeah, no, absolutely. Of this, oh, there he yeah, is. very creepy uh, kind of uh, mm. underworld. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah, so here's um, Mark Warren doing a good job. There's these two ladies who they managed to get from the group of extras they had to pay a little bit more and get them to do that in the corner. I bet this was a nice gig for the main actors. Nice little cheeky job. Well, not way. Yeah, not for Kari because she had quite a lot to do. Oh no, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like your, you know, your Joey's. You yeah, know, he had a good time. Nice little. Um, easy yeah, he's yeah, he's quite. Um, he's playing around with it quite a lot, isn't he? As they said when they came to edit it, he didn't do the same thing twice. It was really hard to. Uh... Well, that's just unprofessional. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I think characters like this are very interesting because you you kind of fall into a trap of trying to do something different that's very predictable. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so they're actually quite difficult characters to portray, I think, <laughs> with yeah. any kind of sense of Because you're supposed to be, real oh, oh, look, I'm so weird and creepy, I'm so weird, but I'm creepy, quite cool you know, as well got, and a bit got sexy. A, and... You've got a very... You've got a very uh, important role. Yeah, you need to get the expedition out. But you have to be eccentric and odd as well. I mean, in this situation, it makes perfect sense. He looks the way he looks and acts the way he acts. But like, you almost want him to be like in a suit and tie. <laughs> kind of yeah. Just be like, hello, this is my business. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my train carriage. Welcome to my train. Would you like to have some drugs? Mm. And maybe kiss a lady? <laughs> He doesn't like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, knowing what he knows, he's not that unhappy, though, is he? <laughs> well, I think he's playing it cool. I think he's trying to impress her. I think he wants to, you know... I'd shit my pants. <laughs> yeah. But maybe he's off his tits on something, though. You, you don't know if he's not just taking a load of drugs before she came on. and <clears throat> He's not quite sure what's going on or what's real, but... At least he does try to warn her off it. Mm. But it's interesting that he sees the box and then that's what makes him tell her where the deaders are. Mm. Which again is, is quite a bit, it's a bit iffy as well because he's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But then he sees the the Hellraiser box and he says, okay, here are the, here are the deaders. Yeah. So yeah, why does it? Does why is it the box hold up that makes him? Wise. Does it? Not sure. Are we missing something? I don't quite know. Obvious? If we're being really thick, please yeah. email us. That would be the uh, Jack Daniels talking. No, I think it's <laughs> speaking of which. Oh, he's crushed that one. I'm going to uh, get another drink. Oh no, he's going to go to the kitchen. I'm going to be back in a minute. I better keep talking. Uh, right. Oh, Foley. Right, so, um, another bit of trivia for you. When they first went to do the production scouting, they found a really scuzzy old underground train station they wanted to use, and Rick Bowes was very excited about it. But when they finally got to Bucharest, they said, there's only one that you're allowed to use. You can film in this brand new one that isn't opened yet because it's not being used. And he was like, oh, but it's all like white and pristine and it looks really nice. That wasn't what I was going for. But um, I think it works well. Yeah, you don't want everything to be dirty and scuzzy and 
Hi, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> and here's Winter. <clears throat> and here he is, walking along with no shoes on. What a rebel. I know. That was his idea, apparently, the actor's idea. And now there's all these flashbacks of something that happened to her when she was a, a girl. And obviously she's quite scarred by it. Because he keeps getting flashbacks. Yeah. And there's a train. Oh. And then here, uh, boink. There you go. Splat. And then she's obviously, <laughs> instead of just running off, she's gone to the authorities. So she's gone to the... And also, yeah, how did they stop the train that to... quickly? Well, yeah. If it's her... It would have. that looked like it was going straight through. <laughs> yeah, so if it was not going to stop anyway... They and stopped it, was, it and, and it stopped because she it. told them to... Unless this is like much further down the line, the next station over or something. Mm. Could be. Uh, this is the problem when you get nitpicky and you have to keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> nitpick, nitpick. Um, I think um, and then he's back. a lot of these kind of, you know, these bits, yeah, bits with winter and stuff like that, they're, uh, they don't make too much sense, but they're very atmospheric and interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and that's the kind of plan, isn't it, really? It's, a lot of it is about atmosphere and hallucinations and not knowing what's real and what's not. Mm. And you could argue that, you know, she's opened the box, so there is a slight, you know, hell is all around, and Pinhead obviously has turned up and gone again, but he's still there in the periphery somewhere. Mm. Very subtle acting there from the policeman. (laughs) (laughs) McCline. And here he is. He's... Flown out so to... he turned up. He, he turned went all up. the way there. And then he uh, commented her bottom just in case he got somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Was it... Did she, would she end up in the asylum for that? <laughs> Say, someone jumped into the train and then saying uh, they're over there? Um, they probably would have assumed she was <laughs> just trying to cause trouble, really, in real life. Or maybe he's just playing with her. Maybe he's toying with her. And then, uh, yeah, so he's still talking about the the story, and here they have their little conversation about the um, mental indigestion. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he is the kind of wise mentor who's turned up to give her some advice on the streets. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just watching again. That's because some good acting happened. Yes, well, I'm back now. I had an interruption, someone was at the door. but uh, wow. And you can't pause these things, because otherwise it'll mess things. up the commentary. And then I was like, well, you've gone away, so I must keep talking. Sorry, but then but... some good acting happened, so I oh, um, wow. I stopped talking. Some good acting, talking. I have to rewind it and have a look. <laughs> oh, no. I've been using commentary where you make everyone rewind at the same time. <laughs> and then start watching again. <clears throat> uh, he's got a great atmosphere, this guy. Yeah, I like he's, him a he, lot. I like his energy. I think he's got a gravitas. Mm. Definitely. Watching the background, a taxi appears out of nowhere. Ready? Beep. 
<laughs> you have watched this too much. Actually, that was um, <laughs> on the commentary Rick Brody pointed out. Uh, the fact that he likes the cut and then didn't notice that until, again, <laughs> one of the final times I watched it on a big screen. It was like, there's a taxi in the background. And the editor was like, well, yeah, I thought you'd noticed that before. I put that in like originally and <laughs> like, I thought you liked it, so uh, I didn't mention it. I thought you liked it that a taxi appeared from nowhere. <laughs> For God's sake. <laughs> Right, I like the music. Yeah, music's good. Um, they apparently he tried to get Dimension to to get the rights to the original Christopher Young music to use, but they couldn't afford it. Well, that wasn't going to happen. No, not a chance. <laughs> but it's at least they were thinking, you know, going down the right lines. So the guy that does the music here, he he does quite a good job at it being similar and a bit updated. It's a bit kind of nineties. It's or a little bit kind of. It's a little bit, yeah, noughties, nineties. It is. It has that vibe to it. Um, Whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, we're sort of slightly electronic, and which is a, a bit of a shame in some ways because the, one of the reasons why the original score is so timeless is because it's orchestral and there's no, yeah, <laughs> there's nothing nineteen eighties about it. It no. would have not worked as well had it been an eighties, because things like Nightmare on Elm Street. The soundtrack is great and it's fun, mm. but it's very it's 80s. Of its time. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Yeah. Uh, but that is kind of what makes it awesome. Yeah, but it's also in a nostalgic way, whereas Hellraiser is timeless, apart from the massive hair. <laughs> well, some of those things, I mean, I've showed it to people, you know, and uh, and that's those are the things they've picked out, being like, oh, the shoulder pads and massive hair. And I'm oh, like, I suppose oh, so. Yeah, maybe that, yeah. You know. That's we've just watched it too many times. Yeah, and they, they kind of have gone, oh. Yeah. And also, there is the. Uh, some slightly dodgy sort of, you know, effects with the hand-drawn, hand-painted well. lightning and things. <laughs> <clears throat> and now here we are inside another SCSI building. Mm. It does give the impression that Bucharest is just full of SCSI buildings. Oh, Pigeon yeah. Scare. Pigeon Scare. Not as good as Jesus Scare. No, Jesus Scare is a good one. Monkey scare. Monkey scare is good, yeah. <laughs> it's nice that um, even Clive Barker, who is a master, did put in some scares like that in Hellraiser. Yes. It's nice that it's not just a, a cliche thing that hacks do. It does really work. Yeah, it's, do it a, it's part of the arsenal it's, of things you've got absolutely, to, yeah. to frighten people. And it works in this film. There are some good ones in this one. Hmm. I think these were... Um, World War Two army bunkers, when they said in the commentary, they they discovered. They were like, "Oh man, we have to film down there." Yeah, and I think if the you know these bits uh, look uh, look very cool, um, but these are kind of some of the bits that are kind of a slightly over long. I'd say there's probably more they could have got out of other parts. You yeah. can see that they were in love with the locations mm. because they look awesome. Yeah, and so they do take a lot of time for someone to get from A to B. Yes. Um, which is fine, but I think there's other parts of the film that are quite short, which could have been extended slightly. I think so, yeah. <clears throat> oh, creepy dog. Creepy dog. Nothing they say about the working in Romania. Is you don't need to have, like in America, if you have an animal, you have to have an animal wrangler, and you have to have someone from the Humane Association there to check you're not mistreating it. 
in yeah, big races. Like, you know, right, do whatever you like, mate. Bring your dog over here. <laughs> have it chew something. But the difference is, in Los Angeles, all the animals are, are really, really well trained and do what you want them to do first time. Yeah. And here, it's like, can you get... It's not... Where's it, where's it going? Come back, come back. Yeah. Eat this, it's eat this. It's just a dog. <laughs> it's just a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there, it's interesting, because they were saying it actually gets prohibitive if you, you want to use an animal in a film in LA because it costs thousands of pounds or dollars yeah because of all the people you need yeah. their entourage yeah the dog dog tourage <laughs> the dog tourage yeah <laughs> well and rightly so they should be looked after or you can uh, completely have lots of little tiny animals created with a computer as we're about to see yeah. in a is that a good idea well here we go Tomb Raider, Indiana Jones. Yeah, here we go. So these bugs that appear. I don't know why they're. Let's have a look at them now because, yeah, I mean, it's to give it that creepy Indiana Jones vibe. But, um, I mean, we'll check them. They're not that bad. They're not that bad, no. Do you know what I think it is? Is when the ones that are closest to the her lighter, when she lights yeah. it back up again. They have no reflection on their body. There's just reflection on the wall. Okay. That's my slightly drunken, off-the-cuff okay. observation That's of why fine. they don't look quite right. If we watch it back yeah. again, if there is one, listeners, forgive then me. Forgive him. Please forgive <laughs> me. Uh-oh. Now she's stuck. Oh, hello. There's someone behind her. She's gonna... This is a bit strange, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Because you kind of get the feeling that... <laughs> okay, we're watching it again. Yeah, sorry. So this is supposed to be Marla. <clears throat> is it? Uh, apparently. Yes. You, what, what? I think it was in the commentary. Right. Um, but in the film... Because that knife was in Marla's apartment, and it's supposed to be the same knife. See, I wouldn't it's get the same that. knife that is also in her. I wouldn't get that back later on. Yeah, no, I didn't get that. I wouldn't say it was from because watching the movie. It's just a, a viewer. Marla was supposed to be her guide to take her to the next world. But this is all information that we've gleaned from other sources. I know we shouldn't really talk about things that we know. If you watch the film, there's nothing to indicate other than if you were a clever viewer, you would go, "Oh, I saw that knife." I know, I saw a knife. I'm not a clever viewer. On the counter, yeah, well, me neither. I wouldn't go. That's that knife I saw on the counter. No, I'd just be like, "It's a knife." Mm. Maybe if the knife had an interesting shape. Well, originally it was supposed to be um, a stiletto blade. Yeah, if it was something like that, if it was something unique, I'd probably. But then we said it. also, it's um, we prefer it in the later scene in the bathroom that it is a kitchen knife. Oh yeah, absolutely. So here we go. Here's winter. Yep. Doing this bit again. They're all gathering round. Not what's going to happen. She's made it now, to the deader's lair. Hmm. He's bringing people back to the Oh, life. there's another kitchen knife. I like how they kind of don't all... I suspect if this was real, they would all probably choose the same way of uh, dispatching themselves. 
Um, I don't know. I think it's it has that that whole ring of individuality, though, doesn't it? It's nice that it. I think it's nice that they're all different. It's very nice and it's very good for a film. But I think if it, in reality, if this was really, if you were in a cult that was this was happening, you'd all want the easiest way of. Which would going, be what? Which would be shooting what, in the head, to the head yeah. or something. Because and then you'd all have that same mark. The guy that just brought her in has uh, slit his wrist, and that's quite a hard thing to do. Slit his wrist. Someone else got stabbed in the gut, and yeah. you're like, okay, well, that's not. Really Here we nice. go. There, there's the proof. Yeah, someone else is like, well, I got shot in the face, and you know, just want the easiest way, wouldn't you? Yeah. But I guess maybe when they when they come in, they're like, decide which. What's your pleasure, sir? Yeah, (laughs) I'd like to be shot in the head, please. (laughs) And I'd like to be shot in the back of the head, if possible. Hmm. Be careful, if you shot in the back of the head with that massive gun, it might blow out the front and then you would have a big hole in the front oh, of your head. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. There's you a come lot back to think about it, like, Oh, I've got this massive hole in my face. There's a lot more. Oh, maybe I just like to be poisoned. Is that all right? Am I allowed? That's a good idea. You'd look pretty good then. Yeah. All right, we'll think about that later on <laughs> when we finish the commentary. And now here we are in a scene that Rick Bota admits was... Was... <laughs> was based on the, the Matrix scene with them sitting in the uh, big chairs. Uh, uh, okay. Or at least influenced by it, not based on. And so now we try and get some uh, some plot out now. I try and work out what's going on. Who he is, what he wants. I think, And I think this is where we've struggled slightly. Because um, we really like this film, as we've said. Uh, like the atmosphere, like... Mm-hmm. so much about it but I think some of the motivations of the characters some of the the whys and wherefores are a little bit muddy and a little bit confusing a family heirloom here we go <clears throat> so he is implying that he is a, a descendant of the Marchand yeah mm-hmm. but he's clearly not of the bloodline that we know from bloodline uh no, I guess he can't be. Can no, he? Well, can because, he? well it unless be. I mean, if I'm assuming he, was... but he'd have to have a kid that then goes on to pass down the line to the guy in the future, which he could have. He could have a kid. We don't, you know, can't prove he hasn't. Yeah. Mm. This is where he turns into a tiger, isn't it? In the original script, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, and I think here, I guess, one of the things that they're trying to go for is for him to be a human uh, version of Pinhead, you know, a human yeah. antagonist that has that same power, that is of the same, uh, you know, ilk. story. <laughs> yeah, ilk. <laughs> has the same function in the story. Yeah, I think so. He's the, the leader of the dead occult, and he thinks if he can open the box or get someone, one of the dead is to open the box then all of the deaders will be taken to this wonderful place where it's all pleasure. But he's obviously got that wrong. Because if he knew what the box was, he'd know that wasn't what happens when you open the box. Yeah. Unless he thinks... Or maybe he, but maybe he thinks he can give all the deaders over to them and, and he can become a Cenobite and have the power of the Cenobites. Perhaps. Obviously none of this has ever gone into, so we don't know. It's just all speculation from our part. 
I mean, and, and certainly um, our idea of drinking lots whilst doing these commentaries makes it harder to actually yeah, come up with interesting true. theories on, on what's happening. But whatever happens, <laughs> the point is he wants her to open the box to mm. use it in some way. Yes. And Pinhead is not impressed with that at all. He's not impressed. And it's not that Pinhead is the you know the the leader of hell, but he is he is tied to that box definitely, as has been shown. So if you go down the line of there are lots of different ways of opening portals to hell. Yeah. Each portal or puzzle has a different you know lead center by the turns up. Yeah. And yeah. this box is is Pinhead's. Yeah. I now we have the you know little. Abuse. Abuse. Backstory. Vignette. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, here we go. Now she's on the bed. She's there. And here and we go. Is, got the big is, knife. This is scary. And that's the thing. You know, I just wouldn't... I, I'm not down... I don't want to get stabbed. Well, it's not nice. It's not nice. By saying that about everyone having different ways, they, they've just killed someone. With a big knife. Yeah. So they're all doing the same thing again, mm. two times running. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, well, I hope you boiled it in a kettle or yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, come on. Oh, this is quite creepy with them all gathering around her. What's he going to do? Cut her throat? Rightfully mine. Interesting. So he thinks he actually has a claim on the box. <clears throat> I mean, the, the no more pain thing makes sense for them because when they turn to deaders, they are. You know, they, they don't feel pain, as she says. Yes, absolutely. Why are you bleeding everywhere when you... Uh, Only you pleasure I take issue with. Yeah, well, but again, maybe that's his mistake. And he thinks that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Or, or maybe he thinks because they're deaders and they can't feel pain, if they were then to go to hell, it wouldn't matter because they can try and do what you want to me. I can't feel any pain. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I guess these are kind of interesting ideas that I wish had been explored a bit more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We could have had less of her walking through tunnels and more of that being explained. Mm. 3.04 a.m. They said in the commentary apparently is the time that most people die. <laughs> what? You take the mean, the mean time of people really? who passed away. 3.04 is the... <laughs> something like that. Yeah, anyway, that's why they went for it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not, I'm not sure about this, like, pig screaming over the... Uh... No, well, it's a, it's a nightmare she's having, so, you know, what happens in nightmares. Oh, yeah, I don't think it's bad. I just, I'm just like, mm. oh, oh, God. Yeah. So when they did this, when they filmed it with the little girl, they filmed it as if he was going to whip her. Mm. But in the, in the edit, they made it look a bit worse. Well, yeah, I think on our other podcast we were kind of like, oh, is it this or is it that? I Whereas think it is supposed it, to be. I mean, it's really definitely that. Yeah, it is. He's... Yeah. Especially when it's juxtaposed with that, she just gets penetrated there, and it's yeah. I mean, it's clearly supposed to be, which is uh, horrific. Um, and and now here we go. And this is horrific. Yeah, I think this film really interestingly. You brought it up uh, before. The thing of blood loss of of blood everywhere slipping mm. around, you know, being yeah. in puddles on the floor and stuff, is actually. Really frightening and really kind of it's like it is oh horrible. god, you know, it makes you feel like quite anxious just mm. just in that uh, in these scenes. 
Well, it's so it's so. <clears throat> I mean, when you think about it, if you you can have a relatively small wound, but if it doesn't stop bleeding, you'll die. Yeah, because you need blood. Yeah, and the fact that she's losing so much of it. And just the fact that it gets everywhere, and obviously it's hard to clean, you can't get rid of it, and it stains, and it's Well, I mean, it being hard messy. to clean is the least of my worries at this point. <laughs> i tell you what is interesting, and I'm going to try and say this without sounding horrible, but the fact that... <laughs> horrible as in misogynistic. But the fact that you, you see her breast every now and again, but they don't make any big deal of it. It's quite... Because it's obviously quite a big thing for it to be in someone's contract nudity is a big deal for some people people won't do it yeah. refuse to do it yeah. and the fact that the fact they've got nudity but they don't be like hey look everyone the fact that it is just in there in the background I think yeah. it's really interesting and I think and it's what, smart what what effect do you think they're trying to get from that well for this scene definitely it really I mean, she's even more exposed because you can see the, the front of her chest you can see the fact there is a knife sticking through her chest and you know, there is the whole thing in, in terms of the actress. She's more exposed, therefore, you know, you feel a bit like, oh, is she? <laughs> you know, we're watching this and it makes it more... I don't know, it makes me more anxious, I suppose. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because I'm just like, well, obviously, in, I think it's very difficult unless you're... Oh, that's horrible, isn't uh, it? It's sort of someone who's into some very weird shit it's very difficult to sort of be like oh that's ooh, no it's not like, t- it's not titillating at oh, all oh wow that's very sexy no. um, it's quite a horrific no. scene yeah and then you hear some voices in the background it'd be interesting so to see what a conversation there, there's a little flashback that. of her seeing the knife in Marla's which I obviously didn't pick up on the first time and seeing it there as well so it is supposed to be the same knife yeah hmm Tricky. It's an old phone, isn't it? <laughs> Twelve <laughs> videos, and then you've got this big old phone <laughs> with a rotary dial. Yeah, like a Morse code thing in the corner. <laughs> ah. <laughs> a telegraph. And now, who's this? Who's going? Who is this? Now? So there you go. He's, Pinhead's been in the film for seven or eight seconds so far, and now. Here he is. Nothing. So they only oh, had. Pin- I mean, he's always they had Doug Bradley just for a few days. Well, he's always like amazing value. Oh, he's brilliant. And he um he worked on some of his own lines as well, which is quite cool. And the fact that Rick Bota let him, you know, they yeah. he said, "Oh, I've, you know, I've got some ideas of things I should say here." Well, I, you know, I think that's very clever to let him do that because yeah, because he obviously he knows, knows the character. He knows the character very well, out. and it's still amazing makeup, isn't it, Mrs. Again, Gary it is Cunningford. still amazing makeup. It's still, it, I don't think it's ever quite had the impact from the first films the way that they were filmed. No, but it still we've looks said that before. I mean, that still that doesn't look as good to me. As the first time. As the first film. Well, it's so it's so odd, because in the very first film, you've got real close-ups, well-lit, mm. extreme close-ups. And maybe that's why it's horrible, because you're like, those nails are in his head, <laughs> you know? And that is similar, but that, when it zoomed in there... But I mean, but... so, so, so what, what's happened there, then? Is it like... Um... 
because it, it must be the same makeup, right? Yeah, well, it's. it's I mean, obviously, different people are, different. are applying it, and well, not since, is... well from three onwards. I think it was it was Gary Tunnicliffe, I think. But it's not that it has to be but... in the shadow now to make it look better. No. So why? Although, as we know, there's a that one scene in Bloodline where he's either he's lit oh, wrong God, or that, he's definitely lit wrong in that one where he's got different colour actually ears. again <laughs> in, in the in the commentary on the DVD for this film Rick Boater does say there is a certain way of of lighting Pinhead and getting it right you can get it wrong and I think that is definitely proven by that scene when he's at the bottom of the stairs in Bloodline he looks terrible completely yeah and the makeup ridiculous. must be the same but he's <clears throat> oh, no let's not talk about that <laughs> Let's move on. So she's still bleeding horribly. <laughs> Which has come up as splash on the uh, subtitles. Yeah, we've got the subtitles on so we can uh, splash talk over it. Splash. Uh, which is very interesting and very horrific. Mm. Who was that guy? Was that just literally to be a bit creepy? Have a bit was he a... just literally the callback to the tramp? The first film. Mm. Yeah, maybe. He wasn't eating any bugs, though. He wasn't eating bugs. Maybe he's a big skeletal dragon. You never know. You never know. You never know who's a skeletal dragon Who as well. Who could be a skeletal dragon? I wonder that he's not been brought back in any of the sequels. Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I mean it is, especially because obviously they've got her wearing white, and that juxtaposed with yeah. the red blood is always Classic. amazing. So she always wears black, apart from the scenes where she's <laughs> bleeding and then she's wearing white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, you you think about it; it's horrific because you you know in that situation, in any situation, you're walking around town, puddle of blood, mm-hmm. someone is going to come up. Someone's going to come and talk to you. Yeah. Someone's going to come up and say, you're okay. You know, there's no way you can you can just wander about dripping blood no. everywhere and have nobody uh, try and say Absolutely. what's going on. Luckily, she works out how to get around this guy. Oops. That's a nice moment, I think. It, it does. The, the drama is really there. Yeah. The first time you watch it, especially... I think he might come over, but to help out, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just kind it's of actually like... quite lucky that he doesn't <laughs> go yeah, over. And it really is. Say, do you want me to help pick those up? I would never have done that myself, <laughs> logic wise, because I would expect him to come over and try mm. and help out. Yeah. And now here we are back in the. No. Uh... Oh. In the train. Wow. <laughs> and so here we are. We're going to go into uh, we're going to go into Deader Train in a minute. Yeah, Hellraiser Train. So this is where he's. So we're of... all pieces in Winter's puzzles that get the idea where is he involved? I mean, we know. Yeah, I mean, at this we point, know that he is. Yeah, but... at this point, he's he is, isn't he? Yeah, <clears throat> but does she realise that now or? Mm. And he's still, you know, 
It's quite trying a, to it's the, crack on is to that it. only two references to a barman in this? Bottom, yes. It's the second <laughs> one of her having a lovely bottom. Um, even though he knows that she's bleeding everywhere, he's still <laughs> trying to... <laughs> yeah, well... Well, you know, some people are into that sort of thing. This is the and creepy... Now, here we go. Dead a train. Just a cool moment. Yeah, I like it. It's a shame that they didn't make it a bit more Hellraiser-y. Like, there's the, the little sister. And that's about it. Yeah. Really, in terms of... You know, it would have been nice to have seen more Cenobites. This, is, this or... is cool. Oh, this yeah, is yeah. Cool. This is, it's nice that there's all the chains and everything. But in the in the other films, like in Inferno, where you've got the wire twins and the torso, and then the other films where you've got bound and stitched, just there in the background, and the surgeon. It's a shame there wasn't at least you know just one other Cenobite somewhere doing something. Yes, well, I think you know we, we discussed this before, but the the sort of absence of Cenobites in these movies is a bit of a, mm. a mistake, I think. Yeah. And even that, that's it. That's I mean, it. That's that, the only, that is the only one that, that shot. Is yeah, good. that is really good and creepy, but that was the one tiny shot of the yeah. little sister, Cenobite, who we are assuming... Well, we're assuming name... is a Cenobite for a star. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Because she's not in the end. She's not with the... no. And this is kind of more to do with deaders than Cenobites. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, what, that's a good point. She could who be anything. She? Yeah. But here we have Zombie Deader Marla. Mm-hmm. Which is great makeup. Like Why makeup. would you want to end up like this? Well, this is Marla's point. She's like, I wish I hadn't done this now. <laughs> yeah, big this time. This is my face. I've got oh, holes really in my face. I really wish I hadn't done this. <laughs> <laughs> you can see my bone and I wouldn't really <laughs> recommend it so I stabbed you in the heart so yeah she's saying it was her then yeah um yeah interesting So this is interesting. When it's dark enough, there's no such thing as as death. Yeah. And, but unfortunately, at this point, because there are so many different strands to the different mythologies, she says that, and you're like, "Oh, that's clever." But hang on, what does that mean? What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. It's a good line. But so she stabbed her, but she's not dead. Yeah. It's a rehearsal to get used to the feeling. So if you carry on with us. You won't feel pain when you get hurt. But would that mean you still bled all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, because you have to... She has to become a deader properly. And maybe then she would stop bleeding. We still wouldn't feel pain. I mean, I think you don't want to... You don't want to over-explain things in in, in films... uh... That's really nice when she turns around and goes into the flashback. That's yeah. gorgeous. But you also don't want to make things overly confusing when you've got a logic that doesn't make sense. No, I agree. And and it's the it's the stuff of, you know, my ancestors and 
you know, Juventus would, would was a toy maker and he should have stuck yeah, to that. Yeah. That's stuff that doesn't work yeah. for me. Yeah. And that's a personal thing for me. I'm not saying, you know, everyone that's wrong. <laughs> but it would have made more sense, I think, for him to not be related to the Lamarstron and just know about the box and know how to use it and yeah. want to use it. Yeah. Like he, like Frank, for example, it's like it's almost as if Frank had discovered the box but hadn't found it or found it and couldn't open it. Yeah. And then discovered how to create deaders and obviously it's a bit convoluted but <laughs> you know what I mean uh, yeah I mean I guess the thing of how to create deaders is the key yeah no one ever explains why does that happen mm. how does it happen and who started it and if that was somehow connected to the box well it, or even if Winter you know had escaped from hell with some knowledge he'd gleaned while yeah. in there and Pinner was like, oh, it's you again. You escaped us once, you won't escape again. Or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and what we're talking about is just stuff that... It's just a couple of extra lines. Yeah. It's not anything that's going to cost a lot more money. No. No, it's in the um, the story planning and the script writing stage that we're talking about. Because as we've said before, the you know the way it looks, the acting is all great. It's really good. It's just a couple of story points that aren't 100% clear and I like things you know in stuff that I do like I like to do things that jump back and forth in time and mm -hmm. uh, is this real is this not real that kind yeah. of stuff I, I, I find it very interesting um, but in this film uh, at certain points it just gets a little bit like oh I'm not quite sure where we're going yeah um, and you, you see that it's kind of on the edge of something really great and so, yeah. in a perfect world, if you could go back and kind of just clear mm -hmm. up a couple of those points, it'd be, yeah. it'd be, it would be amazing. It would As be. it stands, you know, it's a it's a very enjoyable Hellraiser sequel. Um, yeah, it is. But it kind of touches on those points where you're like, oh, we could have <laughs> got, we could have got further, we could have got yeah. to this other place. This little girl is an example of someone that couldn't speak any English at all, right? And was just literally copying. The way someone else was doing it. Okay. And she's great. I think she's quite good. Something's going on. Hang on, I thought everything was alright again. No. No. So all of this isn't real, apparently. So the scene where she was in the dead air with Winter. She's yeah. still there. Right. She's there for the whole time. From that moment until she goes back there in a minute. This is all not real. That's what Rick Bota says. <laughs> okay. Which is a bit of a shame in some ways. What, and this is in her mind, or...? Yeah. She's just imagining this? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. She never left the dead as Leia, apparently. Okay. That's what they're saying. Which I don't really understand how she would then know all these things because obviously this is all in a dream as well yeah seeing Marla again and explaining what's going on who Winter is I've seen that quite is. a lot before though exposition that happens in a dream mm. is then reality but in your <laughs> dream you only know what's in your yeah, subconscious exactly yeah. <laughs> how would you know the exposition yeah, yeah, to yeah. tell yeah it doesn't really work as well as you think Ultimate pleasure. Here Ultimate we go. pleasure. 
Okay, so let's try and work out what's going on. So they do think... I think that's, that's what it is. They think that if you open the box, we'll get all the pleasure stuff, but won't need to worry about the pain stuff, because we don't feel pain. But I still think this film, again, is sidestepping the initial conceit of Hellraiser and the initial thing that people find so difficult to grasp of pleasure, pain, mm. you know, that 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 kind of thing of that there yeah. can be so much pain that even one moment of it stopping can be the ultimate pleasure. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's what Hellraiser was about. And uh, maybe some people kind of got a bit lost down the line. Yeah. So that quote about um, depravity and loneliness in your soul, that is taken from the Hellbound Heart mm. book, which is quite cool. So then Marlowe is saying, it was supposed to be her, that's what it implies. Winter thought I could be the one that opens the box yeah. and be a daddy, but I yeah. couldn't open it. But you can. And by the way, you're bleeding again. Yeah. Maybe don't wear white. <laughs> yeah, we've told you about this. Get yourself a red top. <laughs> We've said it before, but she is really good in this. Yes. She's so good. It just wouldn't she work. She really commits to it and, and is excellent. Yeah. Without her being this good, the film wouldn't work as well yeah, at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And now here we have the checkered floor again. And the door, the door to her past. And I think... You know, I do, I do think as the film goes on, this this stuff about her past does work really well, and it does kind of fill in a lot of blanks mm. about her character and what what I said at the beginning, where I was like, oh, she doesn't seem well. She's supposed to be this edgy yeah, person, yeah. whatever. You know, this stuff that's in her past is obviously hugely yeah. This would really mess uh, you up. Horrific. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love the the bloody handprints on the wall. It's always good to have uh, light or white walls when yeah. covered in blood. Yeah. And now, oh, was hang this, on. Was in, uh, hang on a minute. When she was Hellraiser 2. Yeah. Lovely bloody yeah. handprint on the wall. But when she was a kid, she had a, a knife. Knives, I tell you, they're everywhere. Stab. Oh. Interesting. So I don't know what happened then when she was a little girl. When the police turned up. And what, when she... When the dad was... Had a big knife to get out of him. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess if she told the police what had been going on, then they'd be like, oh, okay, fair enough. Well. But she would have got in trouble, I think. I think she would have been in trouble. There's no question <laughs> yeah. about that. Um, she would have certainly been in some kind of institution for a while. Yeah. <laughs> This is nice, the whole falling back thing. Hmm. And these are the sequences where you're like, you know, there's a, there's been a lot of thought put into these yeah. things and they're interesting to watch. Mm. No, it's great. It's very well made. It's good. Checkered floor, checkered floor. I love checkered floors. 
They're so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of them as in some kind of creepy house. So now we're back here. Apparently, yeah, she's never left. All of that wasn't... Oh, that's, wasn't I, that's very tedious. I know, I thought that. That's very tedious. Yeah, but... They, so I, I don't I, agree. I don't agree with that. I'm going to ignore that. We're going to ignore that, Rick Bota. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Rick. We'll ask you about that when we speak to you. Probably. Yeah. Oh, look, there's, uh, there's Joey. All of a sudden. All of a sudden. It wasn't there when she closed her eyes. No, on, but she... Because we hadn't had that scene yet. What happened was she closed her eyes, she dreamt all this, and Joey walked in. Or she closed her eyes, she heard him, and that made her dream that he was... <laughs> <laughs> but she's got to do it herself. There's no frigging way that I would stab myself. But what if it would end your pain forever? No. <laughs> I might shoot myself. Okay. But I'm not going to stab myself. I'm sorry. Would you jump off a building? No, I don't like heights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't belong here. So, how... So I guess she doesn't feel like she could get away from them, even though she has got a massive knife in her hand. She could just sort of, you know, flail it around and run away. Well, I guess she's supposed to be so emotionally distraught at this point with the memories of the past and what's going on and yeah. you know she's supposed to be kind of on the edge but I mean these people around her are like are dicks yeah they're all kind of like oh do it yeah. just do it it's really good yeah like, we're all really you know happy. I would be like I'm I'm out of here you guys yeah I'm out of here well and that is exactly what she does it is she goes, she's hardcore do you know what no thanks And that's where the music kind of evokes the... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Definitely. Because this is when, yeah, he originally wanted Pinhead's big entrance to be, you know, the big themes from Hellraiser kick in. Yeah. Christopher Young's stuff. So she throws the box... And it is similar. And it just opens. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is similar. It's, It's good. So you did a good job of being a bit similar. You've got some plinky plonky stuff in the background as well. Blinky blinky. And who's this? Oh. And then, I think this this is the main problem with the Hellraiser sequels is that they're just for for a film that had such simple rules to start off with. Mm. They just they don't make it clear what the rules are. Yeah. Evil runs in the family, right? But he wasn't evil in Bloodline. If anything, he was good because he was. He kept trying to stop the box being opened. Well, just ignoring that film exists. Clearly, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I guess so. Stitch. And uh, where's Spike? Girl, Spike. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, he, the the pins do look a bit more like they've got rounded heads than we've said it before, but they maybe look a bit less like nails than the first film. Yes, they're more. They've got more pin like, I think. Yeah, this is cool though. I mean, the chains coming out of the yeah. walls is great. But I'm just like, well, did he not have the opportunity to do this before? What do you mean? I like. Uh, Pinhead. Oh, I see. Right. Well, no, because the box hadn't been opened. 
around him. Maybe. I don't know. It just seems strange that this is the first moment that he could actually just attack Winter. Well, it's the first time that the box needs to be opened. Yeah. I mean, he can't just hang around and turn up every once. Or could he? Or can he? (laughs) Well, he did in the first film, didn't he? Yeah. He followed. They followed Curse around, and in the house, they were just there again. Oh. oh, I'm not sure. Oh dear. Oh dear. I think something's bad. This is good. Happen. I do like this. Yeah, all this stuff is always this is amazing. Good. The the makeup here. Very nice. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's good. I'm, yeah. I'm down with it. It's good. It's all right. It looks all right. Well, because the the CG pulling apart was very brief. just when you think. Mm. <laughs> then all of a sudden there's real yeah. body parts. You're like, that's all right, don't worry. Some it's real... all fine. Everyone, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now, here we go. This... And you're like, oh, something awesome's going to happen. No. Yeah. Something really boring's going to happen. Well, it was partly budget and... Well, it was definitely budget. Yeah. That's a nice effect, though. Aww. No, I'm not down with it. No, it's not I cool. I don't like that line either. It's not fun. It's not funny. It's boring. Yeah. And now, thanks for that. So but I mean, you've got to come. Look, what is going on with this lighting? Less... Yeah. It was full face lighting in Hellraiser One, mm. and I appreciate that Doug Bradley's changed as he's got older but I don't think that's the reason why they have to redo the lighting no well we don't yeah, we just don't know do we and if the I guess maybe the makeup is very different to it was in the first couple of films maybe they didn't have as much but money but then if, the, if or... the, well yeah if they were kind of doing a different version of the makeup if they're using different materials it seems weird to me that now they have to kind of do a less good version of the makeup. Yeah, no, that doesn't make any sense. Because you'd think that makeup would evolve and you would be able to do it and mm. look as good. Because everyone else's makeup's amazing. And I mean, I know that is the kind of the given in special effects is to try and not light it, uh, mm. you know, to make it look even better. Uh, but that was. Barker's genius in Hellraiser to just yeah. go full lighting. Yeah, especially and that's with what was so impactful. Oh, and now she has finally go. done it. It's not happy. Well, it's not a cheery film, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I mean, it was good when Joey got killed, but <laughs> overall, it's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. And she's falling back again. That's quite nice. I like that. Yeah, it's lovely. And she's won. She's won. Off you go, back to hell. I still don't agree that she has won. But... He always says... He always (laughs) says that. He must be back in hell going... 
Oh, every time. <laughs> I have to scream no. And the whole building exploded. Yeah. Why did the building explode, Phil? Well, I don't know. <laughs> so she's she's gone. That's it. She's gone. Not that bothered. <laughs> well, he probably thinks it's happened before. Mm. So she might turn up. Or maybe he thinks that she, you know, blew up that building and has gone into hiding or something. Could be. So they say that everyone's destroyed. So even all the dead, is, there's no evidence. No. So no one will ever know what Nothing. happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now here's another reporter lady come in. And he thinks... <laughs> That is a camera. That that zoom was like, I find you attractive, zoom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I've got an idea for what to do with you. Look at this video. What's a video? Ignore that. Just look at this. Oh, and they found a box. Mysteriously undamaged. <laughs> so where's that going to go? Well. There's a sequel there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a sequel anyone wants to watch? <laughs> there is a box somewhere in Bucharest. There she is. Ah, interesting. There you go. That's the end. There you go, just shy of one hour and 22 minutes. So I kind of easily added in a little bit more... It's a little know. bit more explanation of the relevant bits. Yeah, it's only the, the, the plot and the mythology coming together that we're not completely convinced on. Hmm. But, but, it, um, but no, it is, it's good. It's a very good one. I liked it. When I first watched it, I was like, I'm into this. I like it. Mm. It's good. Um, Especially if you just watched 4, 5 and 6. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was good. There's a lot of good elements, a lot of interesting ideas, mm. um, and fantastic performances, especially from Kari Wara. Yeah, and I think it, this one kind of you go, okay, I get what they clearly all wanted to do was a kind of Hellraiser series where mm. it was different stories, you know, and Hellraiser would would be involved in kind of like a comic book series in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think this one kind of touched on that, where you were like, "Yeah, you could do that. You could, you can do all these different interesting stories that Hellraiser kind of touches on and comes into a little bit." Um, yeah, definitely. But, oh yeah, so yeah. Gary Tunnicliffe was also a second unit director as well. Oh, he actually filmed some stuff for this oh, film as well. Okay. Yeah, little. You're just getting ready for. Uh, yeah. For his big debut. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'd love to uh, speak to him about that. We should. We should try and talk to him, shouldn't we? Yeah, we will. If he wants to. If you just watched this whole thing, or listened to the whole thing with us, Gary, we'd love to have a chat with you. <laughs> yeah. 
Right, so there we go, there we go. That's our Hellraiser Deader commentary. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us watching the film. Enjoyable. Yeah, enjoyable. So our next commentary, in a, whenever it will be, a couple of podcast time, will be about Hellraiser Hellworld. Oh, yeah. That's going to be fun. It's gonna. It will be fun. Yeah, we'll have a laugh at that one. It's a silly film. <clears throat> we'll have a laugh. It's the one, one after that that's going to be the hard one. <laughs> that's the one where we're just going to get obliterated. So that's that's true. Yeah, Sambuca podcast. That's fine. So that about wraps up this episode. Thank you very much for listening once more. And once more, apologies that we were away for a little bit, but we will be back more regularly from now on. Yes. Damn it. Damn it. We will. And we're off. So look, copyright 2003, it says there, even though it wasn't released for two years after wow. that. Crazy. And so, our next podcast, we're not 100% sure what it's going to be about, but we're going to do some uh, some literary podcasts mm. soon. Barbie Wilde's got a new book coming out, short stories. It yes. has already come out by the time this, this podcast goes up on air. Uh, that probably will be our next one, I think. Yes, I think so. So we're very excited about that. Book of short stories, short horror stories by She's, Barbie Wilde. She's uh, very kindly given us a copy. Yeah, so we're very excited about that. So we'll do that one next. And we also, we would like to talk about the... Uh, the Scarlet Gospels. Yeah. new book that came out that we have both read. We won't talk about it now because we're going to do a whole podcast about it. But if you haven't read it yet, you should go out and read that because it's, it's got a pinhead in it. It's got a pinhead. <laughs> it's so got a pinhead it's in it. It's got a pinhead. Um, yeah. And then, so I guess after that will be our Hell World commentary. Woo. <laughs> and, uh, and we're very excited about that as well. So thank you very much, Phil. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Peter. It's been great. <laughs> Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you very soon. Take Goodbye. Care. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.